This is why in the Cantonese service, we only give this out after the service. Can't take a chance. Morning, everyone. Uh, you know, Christians and Christians can have fellowship unlike any other group. I don't know if you have, have had such experience before. It happened to me a couple of weeks ago when I had dinner at a, at a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant, uh, with my wife, uh, Florence, and of course, Florence. And, and, and then we saw the table next to us all bow down and pray. Of course, they were saying grace, right? But, but it was like immediately, there was such a closeness that, that we felt, even though we did not know any of those people there. It's like we saw our own people in a world full of strangers. So when it is our turn to say grace, we were like bowing down our heads so hard, like just making sure they, 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 they would notice it. <laughs> just kidding. Last month when Florence and I went to Toluca, Mexico, a town approximately two hour drive uh, from Mexico City uh, for a mission trip. We, we had a first-hand experience of such intimate fellowship that comes only from having the same faith, worshipping the same God, and sharing the same hope. Let me share with you a few pictures. The first picture, this one, was one that my wife took without my permission as usual. And it also a picture that I really like. In this picture, you, you can see that Mexican kids are quite unique. Like, they can grow a mustache at age seven. And this guy here, right? And those are just fake ones. <laughs> we bought a lot of those, and they love it. And, and uh, when, when what you see here is, is that we are having a lot of fun together. However, the fact was that we could not really communicate with each other. They only speak Spanish, and I hardly speak any, except maybe avocado. But the interesting thing was that language did not seem to be a barrier for us to share love in the love of Christ. And having the same faith, belonging to the same body of Christ, really has brought us together. And the next picture, it was taken um, at, the, at the end of the day when we finished our visit in the children's center run by Compassion International. It's almost the same in every visit. We had a very difficult time leaving, not just emotionally, emotionally but also due to the barricades set up by those kids. They just clustered together and blocked us from leaving because they wanted us to write just something, anything for them on the Bible or just a piece of paper. This one kid was so funny. He, he took a piece of paper, white paper, and he gave us a yellow pen. He said, you're not going to read what I wrote because it's, it's the same. <laughs> yellow on white. But they, they are just so, so enthusiastic coming out and, and asking us, for, 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 for us to write something down. This is my wife writing something on it. And since I know how to write Chinese, I just wrote four words, Chinese words to them, meaning God gives you peace. 
So when they realized that I was writing in Chinese, I think they have never seen Chinese words. They went so crazy and they were showing to their friends, saying, Chino, Chino, that's Chinese. Okay? Then all of a sudden, I was surrounded by, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 kids. And then I forgot to tell them that what I wrote was not my name. Like my name is not God gives you peace. We're just searching, this pastor, God gives you peace. We just found that language barrier does not stop us from blessing one another in the love of Christ. Christian unity is truly a special phenomenon. Then, this picture was taken at a Sunday service in a church of an indigenous tribe called Masawa. In fact, my sponsor girl is from this church. Not this one, okay? This one, okay? This is my wife and not a sponsor one, okay? And, and this girl, uh, I had, we had, once and I had an opportunity to meet with her. Her name is Adelina. She is uh, 11 years old, uh, a Masawa girl. But what I wanted to show you was not this picture. And I want to show you this picture. This is taken at the end of the service. The pastor of that church invited all 10 visiting pastors. It's, it's really a pastor trip that we had. 10 visiting pastors to pray for his congregation. So we went out and offered them prayer like one after one. They're just coming out one after one. There's so many of them who came out to receive our prayer support. But again, we did not speak their language. We prayed in English and they had no way to understand what we said. But the strange thing was that many of them cried when we were praying for them. They were touched and we were touched as well. I could really feel the spirit was our spirit. Their spirit was lifted because our spirits were lifted too. So after that, I realized that language barrier cannot stop us from praying for one another in the spirit. That's why Christian unity is beyond logic, beyond reason. It's supernatural. But then, would our unity in this church over time become neither super nor natural. That's why I think we must, from time to time, listen again to how and what Jesus prayed for us in John 17, the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in the Bible. Well, last week, I said it already that this prayer can be divided quite clearly into three sections. The beginning, Jesus prayed for himself. Then in the longest section in the middle, he prayed for his immediate disciples at that time. And in the final section, he offered prayer for all his future disciples, including all of us here in this generation. Last week, I already talked about the middle section in which Jesus prayed to God the Father. He said, Holy Father, protect them, the disciples, by the power of your name the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So when Jesus prayed that the Father would keep, protect or keep the unity of his disciples just as they are one, he did not necessarily mean the degree of our unity. What Jesus meant can be understood in four angles, as I said last time. 
including the expression of unity, the purpose of unity, the foundation of unity, and the character of unity. As you know already, our church free at the third vision, unity of all congregations, and it must be expressed in a form of submission. It must aim to glorify God. It must be built upon God's truth and must be recognizable by the world that we are set apart for God, which is sanctification. So today, I'll elaborate more on the final section of Jesus' prayer, in which Jesus prayed for all future disciples, including us. Before I go any further, let's listen to this final part of the prayer. John 17, verse 20 to 26. And Emily is going to read to us again. So, thank you, Emily. Okay, so John 17, verses 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thank you, Emily. After listening to God's word, let us all bow our head and pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that Jesus' beloved disciple, John, has recorded this precious prayer of Jesus in the Bible and, and, and that now we can read it as John was listening to it in the first time. So we just ask that the Spirit open our hearts so that this prayer will also touch our hearts and that we will strive to keep, to maintain this unity in spirit because this is what you want us to do, to witness, to testify that Jesus is our Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we saw that Jesus prayed, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. We know that Jesus asked the Father to protect or to keep the unity of the spirit of, of his disciples. But we should not misunderstand the word keep as in maintaining its current state. The unity Jesus was praying about is not a unity that only aims at remaining status quo. The unity Jesus prayed for us was a unity that will grow and will expand. Ours should never be a passive form of unity, but an active form of unity that aims at invading the territory of the ruler of the world. This active form of unity is the theme of the final portion of Jesus' prayer in John 17. 
As you can see, Jesus made a final push in his prayer about our unity by repeating four times the to be in one statement. Jesus was praying with such high intensity that we as his disciples could be in one. However, Jesus was even more concerned about the quality of our unity. Is our unity like a Toys R Us kind of unity that is waiting to close down? Or is our unity so lively that results in multiplication and growth? Is our unity only a state for us to enjoy? Or is our unity a, con- a condition for us to fulfill our mission for God's kingdom? Although one of our visions in this unity of all three congregations. But unity is nevertheless not our ultimate goal. The Bible never sees unity as an ultimate goal for us to achieve. No. The Bible sees unity as a condition that we must attain in order to achieve kingdom goals. Think about an army. For an army to win battles, unity is a necessary condition. But the ultimate goal for an army is never unity. But overcoming enemies and winning battles. Unity is a necessary condition to defeat enemies and win battles. But no army exists because they want to enjoy unity. If an army's main purpose is to enjoy their unity, then they will lose their edge. and They will lose their will to fight. So as Jesus prayed for our unity, what he was really praying for was that we won't consider unity as the ultimate goal and forget about why we are united in the very first place. So Jesus prayed. My prayer is not for them, the disciples at that time alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their, the first group of disciples, message. Remember that the previous section was Jesus' prayer for the unity of his immediate disciples. So now, Jesus was praying that as his immediate disciples be united in truth, their unity will be such a powerful testimony to the gospel that it would lead other people into their unity. Therefore, the unity that Jesus was praying for is a unity that will continue to expand. Now we really need to think over this idea of an expanding unity. Because this kind of expansive unity works quite contrary to our human nature. In human organizations, the more united we become, the more we tend to be exclusive. Or to be a close circle or or, or clique. In other words, the more united we become, the more we tend to not expand. In the Bible, we've heard this classic example of this human nature from Apostle Peter. In Matthew 17, when Jesus manifested his divine glory in his transfiguration, and even Moses and Elijah appear alongside the transfigured Jesus, what was Peter's reaction? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. You wish. I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. So 
such a good day. They don't have to apply permits from the city and, and rezoning, right? We, we, we might not be aware of this, but, but unity and harmony can become an unintended temptation to us that we become contented and or complacent to the condition that, oh, it is good for us to be here. We would become so concerned that our so-called unity be disrupted by new people joining our group, upsetting the so-called good to be here. To see how we are doing in response to Jesus' prayer, we need to look no further than our own small groups, fellowships. Is this, it is good for us to be here mentality common among us? Have you heard that among some small groups of fellowships? That because the members, they are so close to each other that it is so hard for any outsider to become a part of? You heard that? Is exclusivity becoming a norm in our church groups that we become reluctant to expand or reach out in the name of unity? I know I said that last week, that the character of our unity is sanctification, which is for us to be set apart from the world. But don't be misled by the literal meaning of the phrase to be set apart from the world. In Jesus' prayer, we are to be set apart from the world for the world. We are not to be set apart from the world just for us to feel good to be here. We are not to be set apart from the world and then ignore them. We are set apart from the world so that the world can tell the difference and be attracted into the body of Christ. If our unity makes us disregard the need of the world, then our unity will become a curse to the world. But we need to pay attention on what causes us to come together, to be united together. What are our common grounds? Some of the common grounds can be good channel of the gospel, while some others can be obstacles. Good common grounds of unity focus on God and His kingdom. Our desire, common desire to glorify God, our common concern for lost souls, our common longing to live out God's truth, our common appreciation to Jesus' salvation, these are good common grounds that would enable our unity to attract and expand. But if our unity is built upon self-focused common grounds, such as our common interests, common preference, our already established social dynamics, then our unity will inevitably be exclusive and unattractive. In the New Testament, the Jewish leaders became united in human-focused common grounds, such as their achievement in keeping the letter, not the spirit, of the law. Their self-inflated ego as God's chosen people, etc., etc. As a result, their unity was so close in that even Jesus was excluded. So I sincerely hope that Jesus' prayer will be answered in our church, in each of our small groups and fellowships, that our unity will continue to attract and expand. 
But Jesus did not only want our unity to expand. He also prayed that our unity will grow. To expand means to increase in quantity. To grow, on the other hand, means to increase in quality. For Jesus' prayer to fulfill our unity does not only grow in numbers, but also grow into maturity. This is the second point of Jesus' prayer. He prayed to the Father that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. In this few lines here, Jesus did not only pray for disciples' unity, but also that their unity will be brought into completeness. Be brought into completeness is a process of maturity. Jesus is essentially praying that our unity will not stay status quo. We will continue to grow. And here I don't think we need to pay too much attention on what complete unity is like. But rather we should focus on the process in getting there. Jesus has given us two hints on how our unity can grow. First, Jesus prayed to the Father that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So, if our unity is to grow in quality, we need to practice what Jesus said here, in one another. Of course, this being in each other is not possible in physical form. No matter how united we are, you are still you, I am still me. We're not spiritual beings like God. So obviously Jesus was not referring to our physically being in each other. We need to understand that when Jesus said, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, he was emphasizing that each of them has room inside to accommodate one another. For us to allow other people to be in us, we need to make room inside ourselves for others. In order to do that, we need to go through a process of self-emptying or even self-denying. When we are so preoccupied with our own issues, our own interests, our own thoughts, agenda, we are then in no position to accommodate anyone or anything else in us. Have you ever had such experience? that you offer to pray for someone only to forget about it when the person is out of sight. Many of us had this experience before. It might not be because that we are forgetful or we are not faithful to our words, but it's because that we are too preoccupied with our own things. We cannot accommodate other people to be in us. We are in a society that values individuality. So that if we are not intentional to make room in us for other people, our community will then become, you are not in me, I am not in you. Because of our absence in each other, our unity will always stay 
on a very superficial level, our unity will never grow. So Jesus prayed that we make room for one another. That your desire, your worry, your suffering, your joy can be found in me. If we are to practice this, we have to be intentional. After I came back from Mexico, I have been praying for this little girl here every day. This one. Her name is Isol. I-T-Z-E-L. And she is nine years old. My team made a home visit to her home during, and during the visit, we realized that she has been suffering from a very rare form of arthritis since she was two years old. So in other words, she has been living in pain for the last seven years. She could only go to school when her pain is not too serious. But most of the time, she cannot go to school, let alone making friends or having fun. She spends most of her time struggling with her pain at home. The other people in this picture are her mom, her grandmother, and her brother. The father and elder brother has left home uh, to work in another city, so, so they, they rarely see them. The two dogs were amazing, though. They were nowhere to be found during the whole visit, but when we were leaving and we were saying, oh, let's take picture, they just showed up ready to take picture. So we pray for Izzo during the visit. At first, she was very reserved, very quiet, very shy. But as we pray, she began to cry. Not the kind that burst out, but more like sobbing. Honestly, I did not know how to pray for her. Whether to pray for her recovery or pray for endurance. I don't know what God's will on her, on her life. But I pray that the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. However, my wife and I decided to make room for her when we come back. So we have been praying for her. And as we make room for her, she has been in us every day since. So, first hint of Jesus about our unity to grow is for us to be in each other. Second hint. Jesus gave us uh, the second hint for our unity to grow. It appears in, in verse 22. As he prays that, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as, you, as we are one. Jesus here speaks of glory again. But the emphasis here is not glory itself, but how such glory is obtained. In, in the world we live in, how do we obtain glory? Whether it's glory or respect or recognition, we have been taught from a very young age that we have to earn it. The world has taught us that in order to earn glory, we need to compete with other people by performance, by success, in comparison with other people. We live in a world that glory is obtained through comparison. From our school results to our performance evaluation at work, glory is obtained by being better, being smarter, being successful. -er. But 
as Jesus pointed out, such earned glory is an obstacle to the completeness of unity. Now we look at how Jesus described the way we are to obtain our glory. Not by earning, not through comparison, but by being given. The whole idea of being given something is built upon this key biblical word, grace. You can see that this glory was first the glory of the Father, which was given to the Son, Jesus, and then was subsequently given to us, Jesus' disciples. I mean, how crazy an idea it is if we think that we can earn the glory of God. Grace is to overturn the way we used to think of glory by earning. Grace is given to us freely so that we can give away freely as well. Grace is to break apart our tendency to compare and to compete within a group or against our peers. And only by emphasizing on grace that our unity can continue to grow into completeness. So Jesus prayed for our unity to expand and also our unity to grow. So lastly, in Jesus' prayer, he prayed for the witnessing power of our unity. Take note that Jesus repeatedly said this in, in, in his uh, prayer. This is how he said of our unity. That, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And to see my glory. Our unity is for the world to believe, to know, and to see. Our unity is the kind of evidence to prove that Jesus is the one sent by God, to prove that God loves the world, and to prove that God is glorious. So when we spread the gospel, we act as witnesses of Jesus. However, just like in Court of Law, it's not sufficient proof to just have a testimony of a witness. We also need to provide evidence. So when we go and spread the good news, although proclamation is important, it is not enough. We also need evidence to prove what we proclaim is true. And Jesus said that the best, the most powerful evidence we can provide is in fact the unity in truth, among Christians. But how powerful is our unity as an evidence? Well, let's examine how Jesus described what this evidence of unity can do. He said that our unity can let the world believe that you, the Father, have sent me, Jesus. Do you know, like, this is verse 21. Do you know like, this, this line, this saying, this is not the first time Jesus used this line. This is not the first time that Jesus described something so powerful that when it happens, it can let the world to believe that God has sent Jesus. This is not the first time here in John 17. It happened in John 11, six chapters prior to this. Also in the prayer of Jesus, it says that, Jesus looked upon and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. Notice the line, that they may believe that you sent me. It's exactly the same line in Jesus' prayer for our unity in John 17. But here, in John 11, what does this line refer to? What is going to happen that it is so powerful and evident that people will believe that God has sent Jesus? What is going to happen? In the following verse, Jesus said, in loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So what incident does Lazarus come out refer to? The resurrection of the dead. We all know. Jesus resurrected Lazarus from dead. And it is a powerful evidence to prove that Jesus was sent by God. But no one would deny that resurrection from the dead is a miracle. That it is as powerful an evidence as anyone can get to prove anything. But Jesus, in his farewell prayer in John 17, he says that our unity is as powerful or even more powerful than the resurrection of the dead to prove that Jesus was sent by God. I mean, look at us. Look at us. We all have different backgrounds, different personalities, priorities, but if we come together to be united in truth and in spirit, if you are in me and I am in you, Jesus is telling us that it is even a stronger evidence than the resurrection of the dead to prove that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. So brothers and sisters, unity of three congregations is one of our visions. And it's a necessary condition for us to achieve any of our visions. Surely not easy but we must not be discouraged. We have to take heart that Jesus prayed for us before he went on to be crucified. Our, rest, our resurrected Lord is also now praying exactly the same prayer while he is sitting on the right hand side of God the Father. So we know that Jesus' prayer will be answered. May Jesus' prayer touches our hearts that we will also strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit as difficult as it can be because the world needs to know, to see, to believe through our unity that only Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let us all pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you that you did not just give us a Savior in Jesus, but you also gave us an intercessor in Him. We give thanks to you. We, we, we pray alongside His prayer that you would keep our unity, that it will expand, it will grow, and it, it will testify to the world that Jesus was sent by you. We pray that in your grace and mercy, that VCBC's congregations will be united in truth, with love, upon grace, and for your glory. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.